Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. Merry Christmas! In Matthew chapter 2, we find the famous account of the wise men going on a journey to find Jesus. Are you currently on a journey to know Jesus better? Is this reflected in your day-to-day life? If we want to be wise men or women, the only road to wisdom is to know Jesus Christ our Lord more deeply and intimately. Let's open our Bible now to Matthew chapter 2 and look at this incredible account of the wise men journeying to find Jesus. Well, good afternoon and welcome to another teaching. It is a Saturday afternoon here in Texas and hopefully y'all loving on Jesus spending time with Jesus, growing to know Jesus. So thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay, well, this teaching is going to hit just uh, just a couple of days before Christmas. It's going to come out on uh, Friday the 23rd, so Merry Christmas. And uh, I can't think of a just better scripture to study um, for for Christmas Eve and, uh, and Christmas Day than uh, Matthew 2. Um, the story of the wise men. It's just, uh, it's incredible. Um, we're going to do verses uh, 1 through 12 today in Matthew 2. And again, uh, this is a this is an example of what we always say of why is this in the Bible, okay? Romans 15, 4 says that everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, to instruct us, right? It's not just written to be a you know, a fun story or a cool story to read, right? So when we read through this, the story of the wise men, um, you know, there is so much here, right? It's so deep. There's so much learning to be had here, so much insight. It's incredible. So Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy, your favor, your goodness, and your grace on our lives. Father, we thank you for our Bible, but Father, above all, we thank you for Jesus our only Lord and Savior and Master and King. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, for this word. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word. Lord Jesus, we thank you for becoming a human man for us. We thank you for living a perfect life for us. We thank you for dying a torturous death for us. And we thank you that you are alive and risen today, Lord Jesus, and we worship you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open your word. We ask you to give us eyes that see, ears that hear, and hearts that understand. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay. Matthew 2, verses 1 to 12, the uh, the, the the famous account, right, of the wise men. You know, it's always we see different scenes, right? We were talking about it today. We did Bible study uh, this morning with my uh, wonderful son-in-law, Nathan, my wife and I, and our daughters, Kristen and Lauren. Um, and, uh, you know, we actually drove by a church and sure enough, there were the there were three wise men um, outside the manger. Well, the wise men weren't at the manger, okay? At, at Jesus's birth, the only people to see Jesus at his birth were Mary and Joseph and the shepherds. And we had talked about that in Luke chapter one, right? Um, But uh, Luke two, but uh, you know, so Jesus can be, you know, he could be anywhere from maybe 18 months to two years old by now, right? Uh, You know, depending on, you know, just on the account of the timeline. 
So, you know, they're not in the manger. They're in a house. Um, and picture Jesus somewhere, you know, around two years old, maybe a little less than two years old, certainly walking. Um, and, you know, so we're not told that there were three wise men. It's multiple. It's at least two. But, there, you know, there could have been ten. We, uh, you know, we deduce that there are three because of the three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But, you know, certainly there could be more. Um, so, okay, good stuff. Matthew 2, verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi, or wise men, from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed in all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Wow! Golly, thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay. Whew. All right. All right. This is big now, y'all. All right. So, right. Wise men. Okay. Now, you know, these are like, um, you know, astronomers. These are people who, who, you know, who were some of the most intelligent people alive in Jesus' day. These would have been highly educated um, men. Um and, you know, would have had understanding in various levels, okay? Um, but why are they called wise men? Traditionally, they're called, right, wise men, okay? Um, the journey where they're going from, which, you know, scholars say there's some little difference on it, but scholars say probably around, you know, modern day, you know, Iran, Iran, right? Um, the journey's probably somewhere around 700 miles, okay? So they're going to go on a journey to, to find Jesus. And, and that is the meaning of all of life, okay? This is why we exist. This ultimately is what will make you a wise man or a wise woman, is are you on the journey to find Jesus? Now, obviously, you know, we initially find him, so to speak, when we receive him as Savior, okay? 
Um, you know, when we come to an understanding that, as the Bible says, we believe that we are sinful, and in our sinful state, we are hopeless, helpless, desperate, okay? Uh, only eternal hell awaits. But yet in John 1.12, it says, yet to all who received him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So in receiving Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our soul, by putting our full faith and trust and confidence and reliance in Jesus alone for the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our soul, we're forgiven of all our sins. We come into relationship with the triune God. God the Father becomes our heavenly Father. Jesus Christ becomes our Lord and Savior and Master and King. And God the Holy Spirit becomes our guide, our counselor, our comforter. And, and ultimately, we're delivered from eternal hell. And we will spend eternity in heaven with our triune God. Now, that is the beginning of the Christian journey, okay, is receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Um, again, putting your full faith, trust, and confidence in him alone for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul. But from there, this whole life is a day-by-day -day journey in, in growing to know Jesus and searching out Jesus, right? Um, and walking with him, obeying him and loving him uh, and growing to know his love for you, right? Um, and so again, this journey, you know, again, scholars differ, but from say the capital city or where it would have been at that time in Babylon, um, you know, somewhere around 700 miles uh, would this journey be. So uh, again, they either... They either went on foot, they very possibly would have walked, um, or they, you know, possibly they were on camels, right? Um, and presumably they were only traveling at night, okay? Because we know that they're following a star, okay? Um, you know, and we're going to talk about that. So verse one, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Okay. Again, uh, these would have been undoubtedly wealthy and extremely educated and, you know, intellectual men. Okay. Um, and so we can see here, we see a principle here that oftentimes, you know, in our society in the West, uh, you know, those who are known to have, quote, the highest degree of intellect, right, or those that are, you know, say the, the chief scientists or those that, you know, are, are thought to be the, you know, the, the, the really, really smart people, you know, often they're not, regrettably, on a journey to find Jesus and to walk with Jesus and to grow to know Jesus and to experience Jesus, right? Um, and in as much as they're not, they are in no, by no means wise men or women. Okay. Ultimately you cannot be a wise man or a wise woman. If you're not following Jesus, if you haven't first received Jesus Christ as your Lord and savior, and then if you're not looking to grow in your relationship with Jesus, growing to know him, growing to love with, uh, growing to love him, growing to know his love for you. Um, and growing to obey him in every aspect of your life. That is the ultimate meaning, the picture we can see here 
of the journey that they're on, okay, the great pains that they're going to take to, you know, to find Jesus and to experience Jesus. Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Now remember, Herod is a king, King Herod, and naturally he's used to, to everyone seeking an audience with him. Um, and, and certainly everyone would be complimentary. Um, everyone would be looking for something from him. Everyone would see, be seeking his favor. favor. But these men come, and, and they're not there to see Herod, okay? They're there because the star, and we're going to talk about this, for whatever reason, gets stuck in Jerusalem. They've been following this thing, this star, right? God is moving the star. He's moved it from, say, Babylon, like I said, modern day, uh, you know, around Iran, right? Um, and the star has moved for 700 miles but apparently it gets stuck here in Jerusalem, okay? Um, and so, you know, there's the star. The star is clearly over Jerusalem, but, you know, they haven't found the, the, the child, right? They're looking for the Savior. They're looking for the Messiah. Um, you know, there's a very good probability that they were well-schooled in, in the Old Testament, um, and they had their Bibles. There's a possibility um, that they could have been, you know— um, you know, Jewish exiles that were brought up, you know, um, and that were, you know, that were of Jewish heritage. Um, but there's also a, a, you know, a probability is that they're not even Jewish, right? But here's the key. They have a heart to find Jesus. And so they're going to go on a 700 mile arduous journey to find Jesus. Again, that's the epitome, the foundation of all wisdom in any way, okay? There really is no wisdom worth anything if you're not on a journey today to walk with Jesus and you're not looking to grow to know him, to walk with him, to love him, and to obey him more and more and more and more, Scott, okay? Does that make sense? All right. So when they go, you know, they're in Jerusalem, they don't know where to go, so it's it's understandable that they would go to the, you know, to the, to the government, and they're going to the king. They're seeking an audience because, you know, uh, they've come this whole way. And now the star is stuck in Jerusalem. And again, uh, you know, why it stops here? If you look down in, uh, in verse 9, it's going to say, After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was, okay? Now, the distance from Jerusalem to Bethlehem is around seven miles or so, okay? Um, so why the star gets stuck and why the Lord just consistently is doing these things? Um, I mean, it just, you know, uh, it really is crazy, right, Sarah? Um, I was talking with sister of mine, Sarah. We were just talking about how the... Uh, you know, how and why the Lord does these things. If you have a heart to find Jesus, if you have a heart to walk with Jesus, if you have a true desire to know Jesus and are determined and are going to apply yourself in doing that, the Lord will move heaven and earth for you. He'll move a star for you, okay? 
After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi, wise men from the east, came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? And that ought to be the question on every one of our minds today, okay? Now remember, Herod is, again, of, he has tremendous power, okay? The question on your mind and your heart ought not to be, you know, that, you know, you want to grant, you want favor with the pastor, that you want favor with, with someone of influence, you want favor with the boss, you want, you want people who are famous or celebrities to like, like you. Your concern, if you want to be a wise man or a wise woman, uh, Stephen, is where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? That ought to be your heart, Peyton. Okay? Benny, this is all that should matter to you. Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? Is that the cry of your heart today, Becky? Susan, are you walking and saying, where is the one born king of the Jews? Is that what you're asking, Pop? And asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Now again, why is it the star couldn't have just gone all the way to Bethlehem? Okay, So it's clear that the Lord has these wise men intentionally before Herod, okay? And in our journey with Jesus, okay? In our journey lens with Jesus, oftentimes, you know, the Lord will allow us to go through circumstances or difficulties or detours. And he often does it for his purposes and it's always for our benefit and for our good, okay? And as we persevere through them, will always be better off for it, okay? So again, so you see the picture here, they're traveling, they're almost at the at, at their destination, but you know, they don't know where to go from here, so they go to the, the you know, the most you know, sensible place, right? Um, and they say, "Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews?" We saw his star, again, you see it's Jesus's star that was moving in the east and have come to worship him. Now you would think that when Herod and when all the people heard this, there would just be tremendous joy, right? Look at verse three. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. You know, and that's just a remarkable statement. That is, there's not many more sad statements than that in the scriptures. When King Herod heard this, when he heard that, that the king of the Jews had been born, and now you have these affluent, well-to-do, highly educated men, wise men, and they're not there to see Herod, but they're there to, to worship Jesus, you would think that there would be joy and there would be excitement. But no. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. And you know, to this day, it's remarkable that to this day, 2,000 years later, still, how many people in the world are not only rejoicing at the birth of Jesus, are not only rejoicing at the Savior being born, but on the contrary, they're more disturbed. 
the good news of the gospel, the Bible, God has given his word that a savior's come, a Messiah has come, right? Our desperate need of a savior for the forgiveness of our sins, the salvation of our soul, and the deliverance from an eternity in hell is here. And all we need to do is receive him, right? John 1, 12, yet to all who received him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And yet there are still people all over the world, we all know them, who not only are not excited about it, not only are joyful about it, but are unhappy about it. And they're disturbed about it. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. All of Jerusalem should have rejoiced about the birth of Jesus, right? They should be overwhelmed with joy and peace and excitement and zeal. Isn't it interesting that these men are 700 miles away and yet... They have a heart for Christ. They have a heart to journey, to go on a journey to find Jesus so that they can worship him and so that they can bless him. Okay? And certainly they're going to get that opportunity here in about another seven miles, right? But right now, God in his providence has the star stop over Jerusalem first so that the wise men have to go before Herod and testify. So there'll be times in your and I's life, okay, where the star stops. In our relationship with Jesus, we'll, you know, we'll often, you know, there'll be times in our life where we'll, we'll be in a place that we didn't expect, talking to a people we didn't expect. And, and in those situations, you and I need to have the same disposition of these wise men. If you and I ever want to be considered a wise man or a wise woman, right, Becky? And that disposition, Gwenda, needs to be, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? When we're in that situation, we need to consistently be finding a way to bring up Jesus and to bring up the fact that, you know, we're, we're living our life and just trying to grow to know Jesus and walk with Jesus. The wise men are set before Herod to testify about Jesus. That is the ultimate reason why we exist, is to testify to the King of the Jews, Jesus Christ, our Lord. The name of Jesus ought to be on your lips and my lips more than any other name. You ought to say the name Jesus 10 times more then you use the word God. Now let that sink in. If you're a preacher today, um, if you're a Christian leader today, or if you're a Christian today, okay? I can listen to sermons where I'll hear the name God used a hundred times and the name Jesus used zero, or maybe once at the end. Jesus is God. The Christian gospel is that you and I are so sinful, sinful to our core, so hopeless, so helpless, so desperate, that our God, Jesus, the Son of God, God the Son, became a human man for us, lived a perfect, righteous life for us that we could never live, 
died a torturous death for us that we should have died and was raised from the dead. That's the good news. And that in simply believing that and then receiving him, trusting in him, relying on him, clinging to him and him alone for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul, knowing that the perfect life he lived, he lived in your place and on your behalf. And the, the life, the torturous death he died, he died in your place and on your behalf. And when you put your trust in Jesus Christ, your full faith and confidence in him, that perfect life he lived is actually credited to you as if you lived it. And all of your sin and my sin, past, present, and future, is credited to Jesus at the cross. It's remarkable, right? It's incomprehensible. That exchange is the heart of the Christian gospel, Uncle Dennis, right? That exchange, all of my sin, past, present, and future, for the perfect, righteous life that Jesus lived. Wow. And so when we're on our journey for Christ, sometimes the Lord will have our star, right? You know, the, the Jesus we're following and being led. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will lead us to places. And again, we need to find a way to more and more be bringing up Jesus. And so I'll say again, the name of Jesus ought to always be on our lips. So if you're a minister today, if you're a church leader today, or if you're just a church Christian today, this is what you do. Let's say 75% of the time you want to use the word God, don't say it and replace it with the name Jesus. Anytime, okay, you want to say God. Instead of saying God is leading me, say Jesus is leading me, okay? Instead of saying I'm trying to live my life for God, I'm trying to live my life for Jesus, okay? This is the purpose for which we live. Now, we obviously have a triune God. God the Father is our heavenly Father in Jesus. Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior and Master and King, right? God the Holy Spirit, okay, is our guide, our counselor, our comforter. Jesus Christ, God the Son, the Son of God, right? They're all God, one being, three separate individual persons, okay? And in Jesus, we have relationship with all of them, okay? There's really very little, very little, you know, reason for us to use the word God. Every religion has the word God, right? We should be talking to our Father. You know, when Jesus was praying and talking to the Father, never did he call him God. He called him God only when he was hanging on the cross, when he addressed him personally, when he had become sin, the sin of the world. Then he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Other than that, he always addresses him as my father, my father, my father. We have these relational terms, right? Um, so again, begin to have the name Jesus on your lips. And if you're a minister, examine yourself. And again, if you're using the word God, more than you're using the name Jesus, you're out of balance. Simply, you know, repent, be excited and say, you know, that's a good point, Lord. I do need to, to have the name Jesus on my lips, Jesus in my teachings far more. Okay. The generic name God, everyone has it. God, 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 God. Every religion has the name, the word God, right? You know, um, he's your, God is, is your father, He's your Lord, your Savior, your Master, your King. God, the Holy Spirit is your guide, your counselor, your comforter, right? The scripture gives us these, these relationships and these names, and we need to begin to use them more and more. When King Herod heard this, he wasn't excited. He wasn't overjoyed. 
he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. Verse 4, when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. So Herod knows enough. Bring in those, you know, those chief priests. He calls in the, um, when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. So he brings in the Bible scholars, okay? And they do know their Bible. They know their Old Testament from the first word of Genesis to the last word of, uh, of Malachi, okay? Uh, they know the 39 books of the Old Testament. They know it nearly word for word. They've memorized the first five books, okay? Um, and they're going to quote here from the book of Micah, chapter 5, verse 2. And look what they say. Verse 5. So he asked them where the Christ was to be born. Now remember, Jesus could be, could be near two years old now, and none of them know yet that Jesus is even be born. How could people seven miles, how could a whole Jewish nation seven miles from where Jesus was born have no idea about it, but yet here are these, these guys, right? These wise men, and they come on a journey 700 miles and they have a revelation of who Christ is. Again, if you have a desire to know Jesus, you will know him. If you're determined to know Jesus, you will know him, right? Remember when the Lord says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart, right? So again, no one around Jerusalem cared anything about it, but yet, you know, these men who come from a, a, around a 700-mile arduous journey to, to, to not get anything, but to worship Jesus and to be a blessing to them, right? You know, to them, Jesus is revealed. So again, wherever you are today, maybe you would say, you know, I, I, I want to worship Jesus more. I want to walk with him more. I want to know him more. I want to just not be a believer or a Christian. I want to be a disciple of Jesus. Then ask him to help you. Just go before him in prayer and say, Lord Jesus, help me. I want to follow you. I want to worship you, Lord. I want to walk with you in a more deep and intimate way. And this Christmas is a good time to start. So Herod asked the, the, the Bible scholars, and in verse 5 they say, in Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Okay? And so they know their Bible. They know um, that in the book of Micah, chapter 5, verse 2, it was prophesied hundreds of years earlier that the Christ, the Savior, the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. They know the scriptures. Now you notice they have no revelation of Jesus, but yet they know the scriptures. And this is a, uh, I don't know if there's anything more sad than this, right? There's a lot of sad things. But to know your Bible but to not know the Christ of the Bible, to not know your Savior. There is no knowledge of God in any manner and in any way save Jesus. If you, if you have not received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, okay, if you're not trusting and relying in him alone today for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul, you can have no knowledge of God in any manner or in any way, okay? Spiritually, 
You are, you are dead to God and you have no life in you. It's only in receiving Christ, in receiving him as your Lord and Savior, you come into eternal life, you come into spiritual life, the lights are turned on, now you're in relationship with God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit, and, and everything is yours in Jesus Christ our Lord. But we can know the Bible, and again, it's it's a sad thing that we can know the scriptures. There are there's been many a man and many a woman who have quoted the scriptures and spoken of the scriptures, but have no heart for the Christ of the scriptures. And we can see that here in these uh, in these Pharisees and these scribes and these teachers of the law, um, you know, these chief priests. We can see that uh, that they know the scriptures the savior of the scriptures, the very Messiah that, that, that Micah wrote about that they are rightly, you know, quoting is seven miles from them and has been there up, you know, somewhere around two years, less than two years. And yet they know nothing about it because they don't have a heart for it. So again, we want to make sure that in our, in our time in the scriptures, and again, this, this, this particular spirit has worked its way strongly into the church, okay? It's not about religion, okay? The Bible without Jesus is worthless. Throw it out. Has no use at all, okay? It's only in Christ that the scriptures can mean, can mean anything to us, right? Um, you remember in the book of John, we went through the gospel of John, right? And Jesus said, you search the scriptures diligently, because you believe that by them you have eternal life. But these are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me for life, right? And be saved. Wow. Help us, Father. Help us. Again, you know, um, it's important we know our Bible. This is why we do this, right? There's nothing more important as Christians, right? than knowing our Bible and studying our Bible and above all, obeying our Bible and repenting for the areas we're not living in our Bible and feeding our spirit and soul in the Bible, being affirmed in the Bible, being encouraged in the Bible, right? But, but all of that, the end of all of that is that we would know Jesus better, that we would love him more, that we would walk with him more intimately, right? That we would grow the, to know the joy and intimacy of what it means to walk with our Savior, and to know his love for us and to walk with him more obediently, right? Wow. So they, they rightly know their scriptures. Verse 7, then Herod called the Magi secretly. You notice he calls the wise men secretly and found out from them the ex exact time the star had appeared. So he's getting a timeline here. And why this is important is because, and we're certainly not going to get into this today, um, but you're going to read in verse 16, when Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, by the wise men, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and in its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Again, the Magi are the wise men. So try, try to think about this when we ask the question, why, 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 Lord, would the star stop in Jerusalem? God is obviously moving the star, right? 
But why would it get stuck in Jerusalem? Now, this was prophesied that this would happen, right? Um, and it's, you know, it's horrible. It's, you know, uh, you know, there's no words for it. Um, you know, this, 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 this horrible prophecy, right? Um, you know, and, uh, and so it, it was going to happen. But again, if, if the star just keeps rolling past and the star just goes right to where Jesus is, then Herod never finds out about this. And this horrible massacre doesn't come to place, doesn't come to pass, right? So you could see how devious Herod is here when it says, Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. Verse 8, As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. And he's deceiving them because he doesn't want to worship Jesus. He wants to have him killed because he feels threatened. And, you know, again, these guys come in. We're looking for the king of the Jews. Well, well Herod is looking to hold on to power, right? So just the idea that, that, that a king has been born, and that's what Jesus is, right? Jesus is the rightful king, and one day our king will return, and he'll be king over the world for all eternity. Uh, if it was up to me, it would happen before we finish his teaching. Come, Lord Jesus. You know, the Bible ends with the Apostle John. Go to the last book of the Bible. Go to the book of Revelation and go look at the last two verses and you'll see the Apostle John say, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. And that ought to be the desire of all our hearts is for our King Jesus to touch down here on this earth and bring his kingdom in full force. Come, Lord Jesus. So again, you see the... Uh, the devious deception of Herod, and again, why the Lord would put these men before this man. Why does the Lord so consistently have us in difficult or hard or just circumstances? Why does he have us around evil? Why does he even allow evil to live in us? These are just hard questions because it was, it was, it was, it was God the Father himself. It was God the Holy Spirit who put these men in this position, okay? Again, if the star if the star just rolls on to Bethlehem, they never go before Herod, and Herod doesn't find out about it, and all these, these little boys aren't massacred. But the Lord does it intentionally, knowing, full well knowing, what would happen. And... Uh, and in our own lives, when the Lord allows trial and difficulty and hardship and sickness and disease and financial problems and divorce, and I mean, it's, uh, and, and most of these things are, you know, oftentimes we bring them on ourselves, right? Of course. But at the same time, a lot of times there are things we have no control over, right, Linz? Um, And yet he expects us just to continue to, to look for Jesus, and to continue to pursue Jesus. Verse 9, after they had heard the king. You hear those, you see those words, right, Kristen? After they had heard the king. So again, they were assigned to this. And again, when we're on our journey, 
growing to know Jesus, right? When we're looking to find Jesus more deeply, more intimately, when we want to worship him and know him and bless him, right? You know, uh, you know, sometimes it's not till after we go through a certain trial or difficulty or after, you know, we testify to Jesus in a difficult situation. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them. Verse nine, you see it, Corinne? After they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. Wow. And there it is. 700 miles. Who knows how long they've been on this journey, right? Uh, months could have been months, 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 months. Could have been a year. We don't know. Could have been three. We don't know how. It's a long, long journey, right? Undoubtedly had ups and downs. So they go the seven miles. And after they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. So just imagine that, right? Imagine you're there and you're on this journey and, you know, you look up. And the star stopped. But now, unlike just being over the, the, the big city of Jerusalem, now when you look up, the star's pointing down and there's just the one house right there. Okay? And they're there. The journey has come. Imagine the, the anticipation. Look at verse 10. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Those are eight words. And that, that, that ought to be the heart of all of us this Christmas. It ought to be the heart of us at all times, right? When they saw the star, they were, they were overjoyed. You know, Jesus and the story of Christmas and his birth. And this story is like the wise men and the shepherds. You know, it's, uh, they become kind of become commonplace to us, right? Forgive us, Father. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed, right, Lauren? They just didn't have joy, Nathan. They had something called overjoy. Overjoy? Not just joy, okay? They were overjoyed. And that's, if we will pursue Jesus, if we'll be on that journey in our lives of continuing to pursue Jesus, right, we too will begin to experience the joy and the peace, and the love, and, and one day we may even get to where we're overjoyed, right? That where the state of our heart is that there's just so much genuine joy, okay? I don't, I don't know where I've often gotten to a place where I was just overjoyed, because I'm not just talking about, you know, certainly there's emotion involved here, but we want to get to a lifestyle to where we're so deep and intimate in our relationship with Jesus, where he is so far the biggest priority of our lives that we're just overjoyed in walking with him and knowing him and knowing his love and, and looking to be like him, right? When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And again, if you have a desire to follow Jesus today, if you truly wanna to get to, to know him better, Esther, you too can have this tremendous joy. And, and most of us, if we were just to be candid, right? Um, if we were to be perfectly frank, we would say, yeah, no, I don't, I don't know that I have a whole lot of joy 
I mean, I'm happy I have Jesus. I'm certainly delighted and, you know, that he's my savior. But this this overjoyed, just this tremendous excitement and joy that I have my savior and that he lives in me and that we have relationship together and, and he's my God and that, and that he gave his life for me, right? That my king gave his life for me. Normally, you know, everyone gives their life for the king. Our king gave his life for us, right? When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Verse 11, on coming to the house, you notice it's a house, it's not a manger, okay? So again, th this idea of the wise men being at the manger is not biblically accurate, okay? We've all seen the manger scenes, and no, on the day of his birth, it was only Mary, Joseph, and the shepherds, right? Probably some animals around there, right? Those are the only ones to be with Jesus at his birth. Um, and again, this is where he's, you know, probably a little less than two years old, right? So just picture, a, you know, a, you know, a young, you know, uh, you know, he's not a, he's not an infant anymore, right? What do you, is he, a, he's not still a, a baby. They call him a child now, like a, a child who's, you know, whatever, 18, 19, 20 months old, right? Um, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. It's a, it's a beautiful scene, right? It's it's a little awkward, right? Because, you know, did, you know, Jesus is not like a normal two-year-old. He's not like a normal 20-month-old, okay? Um, again, undoubtedly, he's walking already. And so, again, I don't know if Joseph is out working or what he's doing, um, you know, because Joseph is going to get a dream in 13. But this, this just mentions, you know, Mary. As a side note, not to offend the Catholics out there, you notice it says on coming to the house, they saw the child, with his mother Mary, okay? The point is Jesus. Mary's an incredible woman of God, and we've talked about her in previous teachings, and she has character for us to emulate. But ultimately, it's about Jesus, and it mentions him first, right? On coming to the house, they saw the child, right? It ought to be Jesus ought to be first on our lips, okay? There's no one we put in the same sentence, okay? Everything is about Jesus and Jesus first, right? On coming to the house, they saw the child, with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Again, um, we don't worship any people alive or dead. You worship only the triune God. Worship belongs to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, right? On coming to the house, they saw the child. Now remember, just can you imagine the joy? Now picture you're in the, the living room, and there's a 20-month-old, right? Almost almost a two-year-old child. You know, I don't know how Jesus looked up at him or, you know, if Jesus kind of caught him in the corner of his eye or they noticed some recognition from him. Because, again, this is the God child now, right? Or if he's just a, you know, a normal child, like, you know, I was telling my daughters today, they still would wobble a little bit at 20 months, right? They could walk, but they would, you know, they'd stand there sometimes and just wobble a little bit back and forth. But, and... You'll see these wise men, right? And perhaps there are three, right? There's at least two. There could be 10. It says, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. So, you know, from this point, again, we see worship of Jesus, right? At, at less than two years old, he's got some of the smartest most brilliant intellectuals in the world, and they're down, prostrate before Jesus, 
where they should be. Okay, This is what makes them wise men. Do you want to be a wise man? Do you want to be a wise woman today? This is where you and I belong if we want to be wise. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshipped him. And you know what? When you go through all the four Gospels, we consistently see people bowing down in worship before Jesus, and he don't tell them to get up because that's where they belong. That's where you and I belong in worship to Jesus. It's interesting. They went on a journey, May, of 700 miles, wrought with different perils, going before this evil man, Herod, and they're there to worship him. They don't ask him for nothing. They bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. They go on this journey and the entire purpose of this journey is to, is to find Jesus so they can worship him and so they can bless him. And if you want your life to be one, that will ever be considered where you are a wise man or a wise woman, where I'm going to be a wise man. This is the only pattern for it, that we continue on our journey, walking with Jesus, growing to know Jesus, growing to love him, growing to, to find out about him in a more deep and powerful and intimate way, right? Growing to know his word, right? Growing to worship him, and opening our treasures. What is your gold and your incense and your myrrh? And they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. Your gold and your incense and your myrrh are your time, your gifts and talents, and your money. Then they opened their treasures and they presented him they laid before Jesus. These are extremely valuable. Okay. Undoubtedly, the, uh, you know, these gifts helped Joseph and Mary as they're going to have to escape to Egypt and the, and the money they'd be able to get for these things would help them uh, over the next years. Um, you know, when they were going to have to flee and go live in Egypt. Okay. Um, and so, you know, they go on this journey, but it's not to get anything from Jesus. And again, Lord, I, I ask you to help us. Help me, Lord, to have a heart to just, just to know you, Lord Jesus, to find you more deeply and more intimately, to walk with you more deeply with more intimately and more intimately, Lord. And, and help us, Lord. Help me to worship you, Lord. Lord, and just to present to you the gifts you've given me. Lord, help us to lay at your feet our gold and our incense, and our myrrh. And again, to how much of your gifts, of how much of your time are you laying at the feet of Jesus and the advancement of his kingdom and of the gospel and of the word of God and the son of God? How much of your gifts and talents, of your strengths, the things you're good at, how much of those are you using in the advancement of the son of God and the heart of God? And how much of those are you laying at the feet of Jesus to be used by him? And, and in your money, 
How much of your money do you use for yourself and your life and your wife and your kids and your fun and your vacation and your retirement? And, and how much are you using and laying at the feet of Jesus for the advancement of his kingdom and his gospel and his words? This is the only way to be a wise man or a wise woman. You see, when we open this text, right? Do you see that? Remember we asked, why is this in the Bible? You see how now it's not just a cool story, right? Can you see now how, how when, when Paul said to us that everything that was written in the past, Romans 15, 4, was written to teach us, was written to instruct us, right? Verse 12, and having been warned in a dream and having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So even here, we find the heart of these wise men, okay, to go and search out for Jesus and to, to search for Jesus with a heart to worship him and to give their, 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 their best to him, to give their treasures to him. And, and in that, you know, the Lord allows them some difficulties, some trials, um, they testify to Jesus and, you know, uh, and, and look what they're rewarded with. Again, if they didn't have this kind of heart to find Jesus, to follow Jesus, there could be no doubt they don't get the dream either. But again, we'll never know the blessings or the revelation or the dreams or visions or whatever the Lord may have for us. If you'll only be a wise man, if I'll begin to be a more wise man will be wise men and women with a heart to go on a journey. And again, let's begin this Christmas, right? Let's begin this Christmas. Well, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for Christmas because we thank you for Jesus. Lord Jesus, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. All of us can just picture, Lord, that we wish it would have been us, Lord. We wish we could have been there, Lord. Now, I thank you, Lord, that even today we can be wise men and women, Lord. And even today we can begin to, to, put, to, to, to give more of our time, more of our gifts and talents, and more of our money, Lord, to walking with you and journeying with you and, and worshiping with you, Lord, and laying our treasures before you, Lord. But we want to go on a journey this Christmas, Jesus and we want to find you more deeply and more intimately. And we want to spend our lives every day, Lord, as wise men and wise women. You help us, Lord Jesus. Help us, Holy Spirit, to be wise men and wise women that have a heart to find Jesus. And Father, I know, Father, we believe that if it's only in our heart, Lord, if we determine that we want to know Jesus better, Father, we know that you will move heaven and earth. You'll even move a star, a star in the sky, in the universe, some 700 miles that we might know Jesus better. Lord Jesus, we worship you, we thank you, we praise you, and we love you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to seal the message to our hearts. We ask that you'd give us eyes that see Jesus, ears that hear him, and hearts that we may know him and understand him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.